people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back in each and every time as usual i hope you're well and safe and once again thank you very much for tuning into the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast i know i do hell of a lot of content on youtube i do also do a lot of content in terms of spotify and apple um you know spotify apple anchor whatever typical streaming platform you're on i'm pretty sure i'm there so make sure you're following across whatever it is you know i see a lot of you say you're following me on spotify i appreciate that keep doing that one so you never miss a beat when it comes to the deluded podcast as you lot know it's typically on a monday or friday i keep saying that because i have to urge it because it's been falling on a tuesday you know me people if there's monday night football in the prem i like to speak about all of it i do think there's a monday fixture so the next episode of this will be on tuesday in which we'll obviously preview and round up the action we've gone across the talking points we've gone across and talk about the champions league now speaking of champions league we've got a couple bits to cover people there's been europa league there's been champions league you know premier league mares doing a madness for man city um and all of those sort of things so we might as well jump straight into it like i said i hope you're well and safe let's start with the champions league people and quickly if you are unaware um at all um on aggregate in the juventus versus porto game as you lot know it is 4-4 meaning porto won on away goals a dramatic 3-2 game i'm sure you all saw what pepe did borussia dortmund 2 seville 2 sevilla 2 5-4 borussia dortmund on aggregate away away from that are, you, are they are they sure? Oh yeah, they scored in the night. They scored in added on time and things like that. So it was cool in that regard. Um, you had PSG one, Barcelona one, five two PSG on aggregate. Liverpool won four nil on aggregate, two nil home and away, two nil in this latest round of fixtures. So yeah, and obviously to come next week, you will speak about that, and we might as well cover it now. You've got Manchester City versus. Borussia Mönchengladbach, you've got Bayern Munich against Lazio and you have Chelsea against Atletico Madrid. So you know me people, there'll be watch-alongs for for one of those games. I'm con- couple, two of the three games really. I'm contemplating Real Madrid or Atlanta or Man City versus Gladbach. <laughs> you know, Bayern Munich versus Lazio's decent. I probably won't watch along that. I'll definitely on Wednesday do Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. But yeah, people, you know, it's the end of an era. Really and truly, it's the first time in God knows how long that Messi, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, let alone, you know, talk of the final, just not in the latter stages like that now. And to be fair, the torch has been passed. You know, let's, but before all of that, let's start with the Borussia Dortmund versus Seville game, people. 5-2 on aggregate, like I said, the business was done. Specific to the game that we saw, um... You know, I think I, I, I think Seville, if they look back at it, you have to hurt your opposition because for, literally, I feel personally, until Haaland scored in the 35th minute, I think it was all Seville, you know. Navas down the right-hand side, Suso left footer on the right-hand side, putting balls into the box. Um, you, you know, they were doing they were doing their thing. They were all, all on top of them. It looked like they could get something. Haaland is like, quite isolated. You know, a couple of Dortmund players looked a bit nervous and and, and and whatnot, people. And they were all they were all over them and things up until that moment where, you know, Haaland that's that's what a mark of a good striker is. It weren't that he was playing poor. I just feel if Dortmund are not gonna get on the ball and play proper passes and you're just gonna, you know, kick it long to, to Haaland and he's playing against four defenders, he's not gonna win that all the time, is he? You know, as great as he is. Um it was a good move in the thirty fifth in the thirty fifth minute. Obviously Haaland scored the scored in the end, um, to, to obviously exploit them and it'd be disappointing from Sevilla because for Sevilla because between Conde, 
you know, the keeper initially and the centre-half. It's an error that didn't need to happen, really and truly. Um, one thing I love about Haaland, I know he's a good goal scorer. I know he's, he, he, he can assist in that, but and, he, and he's good and he's fast in that. And we could talk about him from a footballing point of view, but the man's got mentality, man. You know, I love to see that, you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate how... This, when he scored his penalty, the Sevilla players were, were you know, trying to, trying to bully him really and truly. And that tells me everything, you know, really and truly. You're st there's still a lot of the game to be played. He scored a penalty um, and you're there and you're there chasing him and things like that. That tells me that you lot can't put your emotions to the side and think about the collective, which is trying to get back into the game. Again, you don't shoot, you don't score. Possession doesn't correlate to chances. And on the re in the grand scheme of it, looking at on on an unbalanced thing in hindsight, you know, it's probably a professional job from, from Borussia Dortmund. They did what they needed to do. Haaland obviously scored in the 35th minute and, and sucker punched them. I'd love to see the rattling that Haaland was doing to the goalkeeper. The keeper started it with him and it was lovely to see actually the goalie and him after the game you know it's not that deep it's football in it life continues um, but I wasn't impressed by several senior Sevilla players and again if you showed that much fight across the two legs you might be going through shout out to Jude Bellingham I don't know how many fouls he took but he's probably still recovering from those little kicks to the ankles and things right now um you know, Sevilla did did everything they, they they needed to do, really and truly. In general, people, of course, um, you know, Sevilla tried tried, but Dortmund knew that the damage was already done. As simple as that. With that being said, people, Borussia Dortmund have reached the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals for the first time since 2016-17. They're also unbeaten in their last eight home games in the competition, drawing three and winning five. Haaland, who has a goal every 54 minutes in the in the Champions League, people, and it seems like this guy is just hell bent on scoring braces and stuff like that um he is the youngest ever player to score six consecutive you wave to score sorry in six consecutive champions league appearances and at 20 years of age and 231 days of age of, of, of um old it's crazy people you know the man's 20 the man's 20 what was we what was you doing at 20 what was i doing at 20 you know probably trying to get galley in the club and that like shows where we're at you know is it's just trade places and when you look at appearances taken to reach 20 champions league goals people you know harlan you know he's done it in 14 benzema took 34 Lewandowski 36 neymar 38 raul 39 uh, messi 40 mbappe also 40 thierry Henry also 40 um it um it took cristiano ronaldo 56 appearances and it took zlatan ibrahimovic 71 now i mean if you're 20 years of age you know and you 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 got a better statistic than them, and you're you know based on the the, the twenty appearances, and again context is key. You're better than exclude Mbappe because he's new generation, but definitely if I'm ahead of Benzema, who historically has been about on the scene, Lewandowski's a quality player, Neymar, Raul, Messi, Mbappe, and the rest. I mean, excluding Mbappe, Ronaldo, Ibrahimovic, and Henri, you're doing something right, and you know Dortmund are going to make a healthy profit on him. I'm keen to see what they can do. You know, I I wouldn't say Dortmund are dark horses to me, but Arsenal are in the Premier in in the Champions League. I would love to see somebody like Dortmund go out there and win it really and truly. So credit to Dortmund. You know, they got a young squad, and as well, it was lovely to see Jude Bellingham absolutely appalled with the Hoots decision not to square in that ball even after the game. I'm sure he won't care now, but he is for continuously right, and I like to see that man. You know, that that it, you know it doesn't matter that I'm 17 and you're whatever. I pass the ball, did it? Simple as that. Now, one of the upsets of the week, people. 
Borussia, I mean, FC Porto for Juventus for obviously, you know, away goals. Now for for you for for FC Porto, you know, when when this sort of thing happens, you focus on on Juventus and what's gone wrong and the management and the players and who needs to be sold, rebuild and all of these sort of things. It was terrible. I know Ronaldo got an assist, didn't do enough over two legs. Morata can't stay on side. You know, Cuadrado's quite lucky. A penalty wasn't given against him. De Morale is smoking some serious hard drugs to be doing what he's doing Chesney you know he's a quality keeper and he really has developed since losing Arsenal leaving Arsenal but fundamentally he's the same guy you know that free kick is appalling Ronaldo's turning um, Chesney needs to do better over the two legs they didn't do enough you know over the two legs the only one I think's done alright is Chiesa to be fair with you you know Chiesa's really tried I think Perlo needs to go because first and foremost, Allegri and Sarri have left for less. You know, so, um, Perlo's probably only staying because it's Perlo. He, you know, again, he has tactically he's overcomplicating things. I feel at Juventus, and it's not happening. Potentially, Cristiano Ronaldo has to leave as well. You know, obviously, he's a quality player, but catch twenty two of that. I do think it holds certain players back in the sense of when you typically see these players leave, you will see someone at Juventus go on to have one of their best individual seasons and you'll see some attacking players take more of the limelight which typically happens but away from focusing on Juventus and how poor they were and the demise of, of Juventus and Perlo needs to leave you've got to give credit to Porto first and foremost they show what happens when you have togetherness when you fight when you don't believe the opponent you know is better than you when you when you when you when when you all stand up to be counted and it was a fantastic performance from everybody connected with Porto the management as well you know, they had they were 10 men down for large periods of that game, still doing a madness. You know, there's no point me going at, at, at lengths with Pepe because you have to watch the game. Pepe brought back the years, you know, shithousery, pardon my language, game management, dark arts, defending, being everywhere. You know, Pepe brought it out the bag and the man's almost touching 40. Fantastic performance. Would love to see Porto go as far as they can. Um, you, know, con you know, congratulations to Porto. They did their thing and they deserve to be in the next round. You know, they deserve whatever they worked on at the training ground and whatever the manager said. They believed in themselves over 180 minutes. Obviously, there were some heart and mouth moments. Like, you know, for me... Game management probably needs to improve collectively. You know, it's almost like it was a suicide mission when they were winning, especially being down to 10 men. They're a very brave side. But, you know, I think they did what they needed to do, man. They really did what they needed to do. Um, there was actually only 104 seconds between Sergio Oliveira's free kick and Rabiot's header for Juventus people, which made it 3-2. FC Porto have progressed in the Champions League knockout tie after winning the first leg for the first time since 2003-04, in which was a quarterfinal against Leeds. Yon. Chiesa, who is one of the only players I think can be can get any praise or, or not be held accountable to any embarrassment. Um He's the first Italian player to score two plus goals in a Champions League knockout stage game with Juventus since Inzaghi did in April 1999 against Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo did get an assist and he has been directly involved in 82 goals in his last 78 Champions League knockout appearances, 15 goals and 67 goals, 15 assists and 67 goals. Um, crazy, ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and you know it's passing of the torch you know killing Mbappe only got only got the one penalty this week but it is what it is um pardon me temper forgetting about Mbappe and all the dumb things for a sec Liverpool now it's woeful for them in the league in the Champions League their hopes of it of winning it and regaining the, the Champions League again are still alive as they beat Leipzig two goals to nil you know, Mane and Salah, you know, there's a lot of criticisms over Salah's general performances this season. He is still scoring and they're just over Mane scoring and assisting. But either way, they did what they needed to do. Um, 
you know, probably a big vote of confidence for Phillips and Kabak to keep a clean sheet. And obviously, I don't know who they've got on the weekend, but it gives them a bit of face being saved in relation to that. Um, you know, you look at um, since Alisson made his Champions League debut in 2017, the Brazilian has kept more clean sheets in the comp than any other player with 16. Um, in all competitions under Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool have now progressed from 12 of their 13 two-legged knockout ties, including qualifiers. The only time they failed to do so was in the last 16 last season against Atletico Madrid. Only Cristiano Ronaldo with 13 has more knockout stage goals in the Champions League since Sadio Mane's debut season in the competition in 2017-18. Mohamed Salah has scored more goals than any other Premier League player in all comps this season with 25. So business as usual to the next round. Now, I'm all sure, like I said, you watched the PSG game. Bit of a weird one, I felt. For the opening stages, like there's a Seville against Borussia Dortmund game, you know, Barca came out of the blocks fast. They were playing good football. They needed to score goals and they could have scored goals. You know, Dembele, he was, Dembele was about a lot. He could have had about four or five. It was getting quite comical. Uh, Messi actually should have converted some chances. Several players had had half chances. You know, Griezmann was involved, but he wasn't really shooting. Um yeah, man, I think Koeman needs to go, man. You know, I did think Mengueza, I know he's on the yellow card and Mbappe pulling him out as well. He's going to be in problems, but I didn't understand bringing on Furpo at right back. I think they need to look at a left back. It looks like the game has caught up with Jordi Alba. He's not the attacking threat I thought he once was. Um, Busquets um, had a good performance, I felt, but it is what it is with him. De Jong also, but it is what it is. You know, Messi showed how good he is you know man can't score from a couple of yards for a penalty but scores a 30 yard scre- 20 30 yard screamer and an absolute screamer at Navas really and truly you know Barca didn't build on their early pressure and PSG just done a madness I'm not gonna lie both penalties are a bit soft in my opinion probably are penalties but the game's going absolutely mad like Again, Icardi, I thought I thought a sniper got Icardi, but it looks like he is fouled. Obviously, Griezmann's one, I can't lie, I don't think that's a penalty, but it's given, you know, one person scores their penalty, the other doesn't. It is what it is. If you're Pochettino, you're laughing because obviously Espanyol, Barcelona hate for them. Um and and, thing, and things like that. So it's, it is what it is. Killian scored a goal. You know, he scored in both legs now and, and further confirms. I think Pedri played all right, but obviously Barca just left themselves too much to do. They didn't take their chances in the first half because they could have they could have literally had four or five, but they left themselves too much to do in the first leg. And, you know, it was a bit... Certain players need to be moved on. They need to replace it. You know, Kuman I think, needs to keep it moving. It is what it is. For PSG, though, I'm not going to lie. You know, it did feel at times that maybe they need to improve their game management because it was like in the first couple of periods that they were moving like they've only taken a slender one-goal lead over to this place. I think there, there was too much respect and too much sitting back, but... Obviously, Pochettino will address that. And it is what it is. Marquinhos had a big game as well. Navas obviously made a couple big saves. Um, Barcelona have failed to reach the Champions League quarterfinals for the first time since 2006-07. They were on a run of 13 consecutive quarterfinal appearances, people, um, which is the longest such run in the competition. Messi has failed to score um, a penalty attempt in the Champions League for the first time since against Manchester City in 2015, having scored each of his previous eight spot kicks in the competition. Messi's also scored 19 goals from outside the area people in the UEFA Champions League since his debut in the competition back in 2004. Only Cristiano Ronaldo has scored more from range with 20, so literally only one one different. Kylian Mbappe obviously scored four goals against Barcelona this season in the Champions League. That's the most a player has ever scored against a Spanish side in a single season within the competition, people. Um, 
So it was a madness, an absolute madness in that regards, man. You know, it's been quite, it's been quite the Champions League. So, like I said, to reiterate, Borussia Dortmund, Juventus, Liverpool, um, and PSG all advanced to the next round this week to come. You've obviously got Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. You've got Lazio versus Bayern Munich. We've obviously got Manchester City versus Gladbach, and obviously Real Madrid against Atlanta. And I'll be doing watch-alongs and speaking about them in the podcast to come next week. So we'll deal with that. Now moving to the Europa League, people. You know, there's a two-nil win for Spurs against Dynamo. Um, Zagreb, Arsenal, obviously won three three goals to one. Manchester United dropped points. Um, drawing, well, I say drop points, you know what I mean, against AC Milan. Um, Uno Emre's Villarreal are still in the competition. I think if you're an Ajax fan, you're probably the, the most comfortable right now. 3-0 win against Young Boys in their first game. If I run over the Europa League scores, people from yesterday, a late equaliser in the AC Milan versus Manchester United game obviously saw them draw 1-1. Dynamo Zagreb nil, Villarreal two, Ajax three, Young Boys nil, Slavia one, Rangers one, Olympiacos one, Arsenal three, Granada two, Ten Men Molden nil, Tottenham Hotspur two, Dynamo Zagreb nil. Roma free Shakhtar the next nil. Now I didn't watch the, the the next game or the Granada game, so I can't comment on them or the Rangers game. I saw the highlights of the Ajax game and the Villarreal one, so I can't really comment on the ones I did not see. People, before we talk about Arsenal, um, I think it's best to talk about Manchester United. Now, obviously, uh, an an Ivory Coast into young a young Ivory Coast player who obviously lived in Italy it's only right he scores against an Italian side you know Diallo probably not the goal he probably pictured him scoring in a Man United shirt but it's a fantastic run and fantastic improvisation with to use the back of his head and do like that little back header thing and score good good pass from Bruno Fernandes you know he's got that in his locker he should time that a bit more he tries that about a thousand times a game for no reason um you know, the good was obviously that you know Diallo scored he's a player I rate very highly and I hope he you know Obviously, I'm not a United fan, but and I, I don't want United to ever play well because I'm an Arsenal man. But I want Diallo to reach his full potential. He's a lovely guy. He's had a good story. Obviously, his family left um, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, for a better life, and that um, you know, and he's living his dream at Man United at 18 years of age. People, and you know, you see that it's lovely to see these little pictures. In, that's what, one thing I like about social media now is seeing like the before and after, not before and after, but. You know, um, there was a picture of Diallo taking a picture with Pogba when Diallo was very young. Now they're teammates. There's a picture, it's irrelevant, but of, of Gareth Bale and Dane Scarlett. You know, 16-year-old, 17-year-old Dane Scarlett back when he was a little kid. Obviously, he doesn't look older than probably, I'd say, five, six in the picture. And now they're teammates. It's funny how things work out. I'm sure there's plenty of other examples of them sort of things there. So it was it's fantastic for him. But looking at it, that's the only positive I could see. You know, Harry Maguire, I know he's a centre-half, but you're a professional footballer. A man's missing, hitting the post and missing a tapping from a yard. Um, Henderson, you know, I won't say hung out to dry by Solskjaer, but I did think it was kind of deep. You know, he's saying that he should have done better with the header that they scored in the, in injury time, probably. But United should have killed the game off way before that and, and, and offered a bit more, man. I think AC Milan, based on what I saw, had the better chances. You know, Kessier had a banger ruled out. You know, they scored a goal which was offside. There was a couple of other moments I'm sure AC Milan would have loved to have done better against. United did have a couple of opportunities as well. That's why I probably think 1-1 is the fair result for both teams crucially it's an away goal for AC Milan and they go back to the San Siro with such now for United obviously they they can score goals 
you know, they can score goals. I think a lot of their goal scoring stats is heavily inflated this season based on a couple of real high scoring games where you look at it, like they've scored however many goals, but a third or so of their goals has come in like across two games or something like that. My maths is poor, but it is what it is. It was a poor day for United. Like I said, Henderson, I won't say he's gone from hero to zero, but all loved after City, your manager's digging you out, pause against this game so you know the crucial thing for Man United is there's still 90 minutes the problem is it's advantage AC Milan right now so 1-1 is probably the fair result for them and there um, um, Simon Kerr who scored the who scored from the corner you know he scored in the 92nd minute which obviously is a bit of pill to swallow for United fans and their players he's the first player to score against Man United in five games when failing to win the first leg at home Manchester United have actually been eliminated from six of their last eight ties in European competition most recently in 2018-19 in the Champions League against Barcelona um, so yeah, one, once again at 18 years of age and 243 days old, Ahmad Diallo is the youngest non-British player to score in a major European competition for Manchester United. So, you know, United fans, I'm sure they're not happy in relation to what happened, but it is what it is. That was also his first his first ever goal came with his first ever shot for the club in just his third appearance, you know, all as a sub. So he's doing his thing. Uh, Manchester, uh, Manchester United might not have won, but Arsenal and Spurs did starting off with the poor a team in North London not Arsenal because we're behind them in the league the team that hasn't won the Premier League in my lifetime got to do it Spurs fans Spurs 2 Tottenham Hotspur 2 Dynamo Zagreb nil. Either side of the of, of either half, Harry Kane scored. There was a good, you know, there was. You, I think Bale put in some good crosses in that game. I think Dembele had some good passes. Don't know how Dembele never got a foul and, and a penalty really and truly, but I'm I'm not sure Spurs will care. Dynamo gave as good as they got, but they showed that there's a golf in class. You, um, Spurs got a clean sheet, two goals, and you know, most importantly, you know, nobody's injured going into the game against Arsenal. I know Harry Kane was nursing a bit of a. I don't even remember if it was his fire, whatever he was icing it. Harry Kane could break his leg today, and he'll recover in 48 hours to play against Arsenal. So he's doing what he does. Harry Kane has scored 25 goals um, for Spurs in all competitions this season. He's already surpassed his goal tally from each of his previous two seasons. Now, I'm going to discount, not that I'm I'm knocking that, um, and it shows how, how complete he's getting and he's doing his thing in the Prem and whatnot, but... You know, and not that I'm knocking the goals, but I do think they've got to, you've got to remember definitely, you know, in one of those seasons I've just mentioned, he was in the Champions League. So goals are goals and I'm not critiquing it. I think it's a bit harsh, really, because, you know, he might have, you know, he might have got 24 in either comp, but some of those were in the Champions League. So you've got to grade it a bit higher, innit? You know, if I get, with all due respect, if I get 20 league goals in the Championship and I get 20 league goals in the Premier League, who's more 30? What, I mean, and I'm the same player, which which season are you rating a bit more? No disrespect, um, as you look, you couldn't say I'm disrespecting him. So moving away from that, people, and talking about the Premier League, why on earth Southampton and City is being played when there's Champions League on? I don't know, because I would have liked to have watched this game. Manchester City 5, Southampton 2, people. I don't know how Phil Foden didn't get a penalty in terms of Alex McCarthy. Again, does Phil Foden have to stay down? Does he have to start rolling on the floor? You know, the man is fouled. And between Phil Foden, you know, not being given a penalty, our handball in our last game, you know, what was it? Was it against Spurs where Fulham scored and somebody struck it into Lemayne's hand? Having a real hard time understanding why some of these decisions aren't given. But City won't care. You know, City used to keep a lot of clean sheets. Last couple of games, now they've been shipping goals. They shipped two 
against Southampton, I'm sure Laporte won't be happy about the penalty and Che Adam scored a consolation strike. But away from that, you know, five goals, Gundogan on the goal on the scoring sheet. Um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and, and Mara's got a brace. You know, it must be lovely when your strikers aren't scoring your midfielders to pick up the slack. And Mares, what a wonder of a left foot. I don't know which goal was better, his first or his second. They're both wavy for me. Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, his first one just rattled up the crossbar and he's made sure it's gone in and it was a good move for his second. Um, um, Gundogan obviously eat finishing people's dinner so five goals three three points City doing what they need to do and like I said for me Mares what a player um, only Daniel Sturridge against Stoke which came at 19 years of age and 55 days has provided two assists in a single Premier League game for Manchester City at a younger age than Phil Foden did against Southampton on that weekday evening at 20 years of age and 286 days Mahrez's strike was his 50th with his left foot in the Premier League he's become the seventh player to reach that tally in the competition he joins Fowler and Percy Ryan Giggs Mohamed Salah Lukaku and Giroud in that Man City have conceded six penalties in the Premier League at, um, at the Etihad this season, becoming only the third side in the competition's history to concede six home penalties in a season. After Brighton did so in 18-19 and Newcastle in 2004-05, Gundogan has scored 10 league goals in 2021. One of four players in Europe's top five leagues to reach double figures this season after Robert Lewandowski with 14, Lionel Messi with 12 and Andre Silva with 10 people. Manchester City, as I said, people, um, you know, are a great side. And since the start of the 2015-16 season, Kevin De Bruyne in brackets, 40 goals, 76 assists, is only one of three players to score and assist 40 plus goals in the Premier League after Firmino did so with 63 goals and 40 assists and Mares with 60 goals and 41 assists. Um, when you look at, again, once again, to highlight the four players from the top five European divisions to score 10-plus league goals so far this year, Gundogan, Andre Silva, Lionel Messi and Lewandowski. And what's even more, I rate Gundogan even more, he's the only midfielder among that. You know, the other three are strikers. They should be doing that, you get it. And shout Andre Silva because, I mean, in any stat, if you're next to Lewandowski and Lionel Messi, you're doing all right. Um Keeping up, you know, Shea Adams obviously scored and made a mistake, so it was an eventful game for him. Ward Brow scored from the spot as well, and he's got seven goals in the Premier League this season. Only one's come from open play, he's got two penalties, and we all know for me, he's one of the best free kick, singular attribute, free kick takers in the competition. He, he genuinely is, you know, he's scored four direct of those, and I think he's doing what he can to go for to go on the plane to the Euros. I don't think he will because I. Southgate's going to play favourites. Mares has now scored or assisted in five of his last six games. People, we got a goal against Everton, two assists against West. We got an assist, you know, um, against West Ham and Arsenal respectively. He scored against Southampton and Wolves, um, and he didn't do anything against Man United. Um, Kevin De Bruyne has now scored more Premier League goals than Roy Keane. People, Kevin De Bruyne has forty. Roy Keane has thirty-nine. As I said, to reiterate, you know. Gundogan is the first player in Europe's top five divisions this season to score 10 league goals from open play. He's a two ahead of Bruno Fernandes. You, you imagine Bruno Fernandes would join him. When you look at the most goals scored from outside the box in the Premier League in the last four seasons, Mahrez has scored 12, Kane has scored 12, Kevin De Bruyne has got 11, Ward Prowse has 11 and Madison has 11 people. So that is quite the interesting one to go and see. It's a shame there's no Arsenal players. I wonder where Xhaka is. Xhaka's probably got four, really. And that's that, that's 
probably as good as it gets for us um, in, in that regards, people. Now, moving back to the Europa League, people. Again, I've scrolled ahead and I should have scrolled back. We obviously, saving the best till last, we had Arsenal, people. Now, my manager said we look a better team in comparison to playing Olympiacos a year a year from a year ago, so a year run. Um, I, my manager said we've learned our lessons from Olympiacos last year. I don't even think we learned our lessons from the last tie against Benfica because the same things are still there, people. You're not really playing well for 90 minutes. You're not killing games off. When you have early sustained pressure, it needs to correlate to goals. I think a lot of the... Obviously, you know, what, you'll see, what you saw in the Europa League is a, mic as a microcosm of how we've been playing in the league. You know, cheap goals, not having a lot of pressure, not building on it, not really scoring, not putting daylight between the two teams. And then you have these things like where we're not scoring or doing anything and Smith-Rowe concedes a penalty against Benfica. You know, you take 81 minutes to score in the first leg last year and, and then lo and behold, you mess it up in the second leg. Again, tournament football, you know, you turned it around against Leicester, but when you look at games like Burnley in the league, you know, um, Southampton in the league, Burnley in both games, in fact, Crystal Palace at home, you know, games where if we haven't conceded cheap mistakes we can't break down teams the whole team isn't playing well for all of the time now it all depends you can focus on you know we work at we with the, the positives i do, do think we pressed well i do think we we were um, catching them high in their own in their own half and making them concede possession which led to other guards first but really and truly it's the same themes not playing well for 90 not killing games off Relying on moments of individual brilliance, which long-range strikes from Odegaard and, 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 and El Nene either side were. You have to discount a bit because the keeper was a bit poor in those regards. You know, credit to William. He's got another assist and Gabriel deserves that. Technically, Gabriel got a goal and assist, but defensively he was spot on. You know, there was character, I guess. I'll take a free. I'll I'll take free one. At the end of the day, it's free goals. It gives us something, but it's hardly a convincing performance. That away from just turning it around is going to give us confidence going into this North London derby, people. And you know, lightning strike struck twice. El Rabi scored again. He prior he only had he's got eight, 17, 18 goals in the league, but in the Europa League he's only had one goal in seven. And I said it on my watch along. I said, like, how much money you lot on a bet? He's going to have two in eight after this, and he did. One thing I did say as well is when Arteta brought on El Nene, I was like, I was like everyone, I was thinking, why are you bringing him on? I was like, and I made a light-hearted joke on my watch along and said, he's going to have to do a long-range strike like, like against Barcelona in the Champions League a few years ago. And lo and behold, you saw that. But, you know, for me, this is just relying on fine margins and individual brilliance. The, the things we can control, not conceding stupid goals, killing off the game and... We're not, we're not really doing it. So, again, I wouldn't say we've shown a lot and it's worrying that these individual errors are there, you know. It's another game where, you know, depend if you ask 10 Arsenal fans, you know, two are going to, you know, four are going to, four are going to say, oh, it was Leno. The other four are going to say it's a bios. You know, the other two are going to one minute say it's a bios, then Leno. For me, I don't really care because, you know, Sabayos has done this two weeks in a row now, two Europa League game weeks in a row now. Leno's been involved in it in the league. And now, again, if it's not Leno of recent memory, it's Leno, Sabayos, Granite, Xhaka, even Cedric. You know, there's there's many games we've conceded early goals, cheap goals, and it's more of the same. You know, it's got to the point, I'm just looking at it from a collective. You've all got this mistake in you. And saying that, away from that, on the topic of managing games, it could have went another way. If some butts are not facts, but if you all remember, you know, Partey, David Luiz, Odegaard, which sticks out the most, even Saka, they all lost the ball carelessly. And if Benfica were better, they could have exploited such people. These fine margins can go against you. Um, 
So we need to do a lot better. It's more of the same people. I'm not really too impressed with Odegaard. I do think second half he played really well, in my opinion. When it was 1-1, he looked to be the only one to make something happen. And he did score a great goal, but he missed a tap-in before that. I'm not seeing really, in a healthy way, a Madrid player playing in an Arsenal Europa League squad, which is what I wanted to see. You know, Leno shouldn't have played Ceballos the past, people, but Ceballos has got to do a lot better. Leno's the eyes and ears of the team. And to be honest, if Leno doesn't play that, similar to the Xhaka one against Burnley, was it Burnley or, or Leicester? I don't know, but pardon me. It was Burnley. Apologies. If he doesn't play that pass, it is it a fig. So make of that what you will for me it's both it's everybody's fault and away from that away from that that mistake I don't feel even if that mistake was it I don't feel we did enough I think we could have put that game to bed and that mistake could have been something else but this is what happens but either way you know to see El Nene and Odegaard get some confidence from scoring bangers Gabriel got on the score sheet three vital away goals a bit of daylight between the two teams you know Olympiacos should feel that they should they can come back against us but I'll take that you know, Arteta, again, the lineup, I would have had plenty to say if it went another way. But at the end of the day, what can I say? You know, William got another assist. I actually feel Bellerin played quite well. Xhaka was all right. You know, um, it, it was all right in that regards. I don't know what Martinelli needs to do to get minutes. Don't know what Lacazette or Pepe need to do to start. But fair play, if they start against Spurs, it is what it is. I do think the one concerning thing, and I've said this several times, I do think Arteta can have a game plan. He can work on something in a week. But I do think when he's met with a sort of counter game plan, he struggles. And it's happened against Jose. It's happened against... No problem with that. Jose, Brendan Rodgers, Dean Smith. You know, plenty of times I've seen it. But I saw it happen yesterday as well with Pedro Martins, the Olympiacos gaffer. He went free at the back, you know. For a stage in that second half, for 20 minutes, they 10, 20 minutes, they were the better team. And when they went to three at the back, where their number five, their captain, went from midfield to being part of a back three, we struggled and we conceded that stupid goal. And then it's literally as soon as they scored, they went back to a four. I think that's where we was able to take advantage. But like I'm saying, people, at that point, I don't think Arteta knew how to get back in the game. Um, I think Partey can play a lot better and, you know, he, he looks off the pace. Um, you know, technically got an assist and our high pressing him winning the ball back actually led to Odegaard's goal. Um, so it is what it is in that regards, man. You know, we need to do a lot better, but we did what we needed to do. Statistically, Arsenal have won eight of their nine Europa League games this season, drawing one, where the highest score is in the competition with 27 goals. No player has made more errors leading to a goal in the UEFA Europa League this season than Danny Ceballos. Sadly, his two errors have come in Arsenal's last two games, and it is very much comedy. William has more assists in all comps than any other player this season, including all three of Gabriel's strikes for the Gunners. So against what? Fulham? Was it again? It might not have been Fulham. Definitely against Wolves um, and whatnot. You know, Brazilian connection seems to be solving us, doing us well. And William's doing his thing of recent. Nice to see a bit of a confident William. William has provided... Um, more assists in all comps than any other player this season. Um, you know, with that, Williams re has now registered an assist in his last four games. So he's done it in four consecutive games for Arsenal, better yet in all comps. He's now taking his tally to seven assists in the competition. That's made in the club's top assist provider this season. So it makes his free transfer look all right now. Williams' four goal assists in four games for Arsenal are, are more than he actually managed in his previous 25. So a bit of a re William Rotunda people, which is good for us in that regards, people. 
people who, who who nobody wants anybody playing poorly. Arsenal had five shots on target in the first half against Olympiacos. Only once in all comps this season have they had more in the opening 45. We had six against West Brom. Typically, Arsenal fans confuse high amounts of possession, passing the ball around, not hitting the target with working the keeper. I still don't even think we worked their keeper well enough. At the end of the day, we scored three goals, you know, but it took two spectacular efforts and a set piece. You know, there was no scumbag goals, no neat moves and one-twos. There was some elements where that needed to be done, people. For more of my extended thoughts, obviously, I do the YouTube stuff. So check out my YouTube for more extended Arsenal Olympiacos comments. But that's what I feel in this right now, people. Um, as you lot know, Arsenal have now scored in 25 consecutive Europa League games. You know, credit to Martin Odegaard for scoring his first goal for Arsenal. And he's actually, you know, we've had 45 different goal scorers from different nations, people, for Arsenal. It shows the diversity of football. However, Martin Odegaard's made history because he is the first Norwegian to score for Arsenal, people. We now have a goal scorer in 45 different nations. Don't think we have Jamaica, but we need to get that. Kieran Tini has created more chances from open play than any other player for Arsenal in all comps this season with 35. Um, Gabriel was a was a boss, you know. Forget the goal and the assist. Obviously, he gets an assist because he passed it to El Nene. He obviously headed in to get us back into the game, put us back in at lead. But I think he had a very complete game. And for me, he's our best defender and he starts in the North London derby. Um, you know, he had a very good game, man. Very good game in terms of numbers. 100% aerials won, 90% pass accuracy, five ball recoveries, three clearances, 100% conversion rate, two aerial challenges, two at two blocks, one foul, one, one interception, one goal, one assist, was not dribbled a pass and made two tackles. Complete game from the lad. Mohamed El Nene has now scored more goals from outside the box for Arsenal than Mesut Ozil with three. And to be fair, Onene's probably scored more from outside the box than the bulk of that squad, probably excluding maybe Lacazette, Aubameyang, uh, Granit Xhaka off the top of my head. So it's a bit harsh for him. Nonetheless, though, he's the first player in Arsenal's history to score in each of his last... to score each of his last... his Sorry, people. Let me start that again. I'm reading two things at once. Mohamed El Nene is the first player in Arsenal's history to score each of his first four goals for the club in European competition. Obviously, we all remember the Barcelona strike in 2016. Then he scored against Barté in 2017. He also struck last year against Dundalk. And he obviously scored against Olympiacos yesterday. So he's the man for the European competition. Scoring in the Premier League is too mainstream for El Nene. Um... In that regards, people. Um, so we go marching on. We live to fight another day. So yeah, man, it's been a cool week for us. It's been a cool week for Arsenal. Let me not count my chickens before they hatch because obviously it's Premier League business now. Um, and we move forward. So yeah, let's let's talk about the Premier League games to come, people. Obviously, the big one is the North London derby. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not confident for it. Um, but we need to stand up. We need to stand up to be counted. It's as simple as that, you know. We're tenth, they're seventh. We're on 38 points. They're on 45. Again, it's come down to personal pride. Win the game and you do what you can. For Spurs, you know, there was talk of top four. Now they're out of it. You know, to be fair with you, you know what. Leicester on 53 points, Chelsea are on 50 points, West Ham on 48, Everton are on 46, Tottenham are on 45. Spurs are going to know their rivals are going to be hoping that Arsenal can either do a job for them based on where they are or it's a draw. For Spurs, again, 45 points, you win that game, you you know, you put pressure on the people them around you. For Arsenal, again, you know, if you win that, you could be 
indirectly back in the top four, even though I don't believe in it. So, again, and we lost the last game in it. It's a North London derby. It comes down to basic pride. You know, there's nothing. I'm not going to bore you lot talking about what I expect tactically. We know what Jose Mourinho's about, people. Um, it's, it's a bit of a crazy one. You know, Spurs obviously have been getting the better results. The players need to know what to do. And again, for the last couple of weeks, you know, some of these mistakes you've been making and lapses in concentration, you cannot do that against a Harry Kane, a former Arsenal player, had to do it against Gareth Bale, against a resurgent Gareth Bale, a son, a uh, 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 Mora. You can't do that in these games, people. So we're going to need to stand up to be counted. West Ham have Manchester United. They'll obviously be without Jesse Lingard for their trip at Old Trafford. David Moyes goes back there. Did he not go there in the FA Cup or something? I'm sure he's been back there this season away from the league. Um, that should be an inter interesting game for United. They need to dust themselves up dust themselves off people and get themselves up for this game after what happened midweek so that's going to be an interesting game you've got Leicester against Sheffield United you've got a seaside derby in Brighton traveling to Southampton they're going to be some interesting clashes people um, I've actually read all of Sunday's fixtures first so to reiterate Sunday's fixtures Southampton at 12 o'clock will play Brighton Leicester City at two o'clock will play Sheffield United 4.30 North London Derby kickoff, Arsenal versus Spurs. 7.15 to close the game week for the weekend will be Manchester United against West Ham. Monday, you obviously have Wolves against Liverpool from 8pm. Away from that, on Saturday, people, you've got Leeds against Chelsea. You've got Crystal Palace against West Brom. You've got Everton against Burnley. You've got Fulham welcoming welcoming, sorry, Manchester City. And they've been doing all right. I want Fulham to win. They've been doing all right. I think they put in a good performance when they played City at the Etihad, people. So hopefully that's a good game for them and hopefully they can do their thing because I'm sure all the neutrals, not that I believe in, 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 in looking after neutrals, but I think we all want Fulham to stay in the competition. Now, in other news, people, I'm pretty sure you all know about the platform, which is Footy Football Index, Footy Index. I'm so happy that I've got two accounts, people, one with substantial investment. And like two weeks ago, I've take, I took my money out, took my profits out, got out of there, innit, people? Got a lot, got, got, I wouldn't say a lot, that's the wrong um you know got out of that one that was the the one i'd be stressed about um had had another account a bit of chicken change if i if i could say that a little chick little chicken change nothing significant you know it's a, a jar if, I, if it doesn't come back to me and i'm not reimbursed or whatever with what i'm about to tell you but i can live in it like i spend more on trainers well not that i buy expensive trainers but you get the point it's trainers it's less than a ps it's around less than a ps5 is so around that sort of, sort of thing maybe a lot, a lot less than that in it. it's chicken change so I'm kind of happy in it. Something told me two weeks ago, take my peas out. And lo and behold, I'm sure you all saw last week, you saw the market crash where Jaden Sanjo, which at a point I can remember, he was at 14, 15 pounds a share, crashed to below a pound. So you can imagine how mad it was. I do think football index are a bit fraudulent. They rigged the market. You know, they have done a lot of bits. I do think watchdogs should have looked into it. But for what it's worth, people, football index has trapped customers money after the platform was suspended. The self-styled football stock market appeared to be heading into administration on Thursday evening, five days after the massive crash on its market that left its customers with tens of millions of pounds trapped in its platform. If the business collapses, it will be the biggest failure of any any British betting company possibly leaving individual customers facing potential losses of 200k or more, which again, I speak to a lot of traders in this thing and they're stressed people with it. Um, it's a bit of a shame. I remember I was supposed to have an affiliate marketing 
um, thing with them people where they reached out to me years ago. I'm happy it didn't work out because it would have made me look fraudulent like this company people. A statement on the Football Index website on Thursday evening said that after a difficult and challenging week for its users, a decision has been made to suspend the platform. We are pursuing a restructuring agreement to be agreed with our stakeholders, including most importantly, our community. We are preparing this through an, ad, ad, through an administration with insolvency practitioners, BG's trainer. So they are in administration to seek the best outcome for customers with the goal of continuing the platform in a restructured form so we'll have to see hopefully nobody gets their peas lost i'm pretty sure people are stressing um but it is what it is people maybe put your point your money into into cryptocurrency anyone that wants to donate some crypto to the guys listening you're done though anyways people away from that lewis cavani the dad i was about to call him husband which would have been suspect the dad of edison cavani manchester united's edison cavani apparently said his son is not happy in england and wants to return nearer to his family he wants to play in south america now he's been in europe for a while and i know a lot of south americans obviously they have to make europe obviously the way the game's going now you can earn a lot of money playing in the mls and you know actually doing decent staying in south america but Europe's the holy grail and you have to stay here for many years and and stuff like that and it's never quite home I know he's done his thing in Italy Napoli and Palermo Palermo he's obviously found his home in Paris where you know again I'm not too sure on how Paris is for South Americans outside but I can imagine you know bare South American players you know he didn't have the best relationships allegedly with Neymar but there's bare Brazilian man Argentine man you know there's probably other things must admit I did expect Edison Cavani at some point to play in La Liga, I would have thought he would have went to La Liga and then back to South America. I think it would have been a shame. I think Cavani's made for um, South America. I mean, well, obviously he's made for South America, but I think I think he's made for the La Liga. So it's a shame. But you can't, you know, why would he be happy in England? You join, you know, you, you're a South American man. You've went to live in in Manchester. You know, the weather is dead. You know, it's one, of, it's cold. It's one of them games there, man. United aren't winning trophies like that. Something Cavani's attributed to, but I, you know, he's obviously earned a lot of money for joining United. There's financial gain. You know, I think he signed for United for two reasons. I think, like like a lot of us, he's still. When you think of United initially, before you think of where they are modern day, you think of, you know, Salix Ferguson, you know, Man United historically are on par with the biggest in, in the Europe. But, you know, so by that, typically, you know, the Barca's, the Madrid's and all of that sort of stuff. So I think historically he's got that in his mind. And obviously the finances and the chance to say he's played in the Premier League for Man United. But his son said he's not happy. He said, I want Edison to play for a team which fights for important trophies. He's had many conversations with the Boca vice president, Jean-Romain Raquelme, and he'd like to play for Boca. At the halfway point of the year, he'd like to return to South America. My son's idea is not to continue there in Manchester. He wants to return. I think he's going to come back in June this year. He has a clause in his contract which allows him to leave in June. So again, there's a break point. So again, he's tried a year in Manchester to keep it moving. Um, obviously, he's also spoke about the whole, you know, the, the 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 use of certain terminology which Cavani was suspended by. I'm not going to go over it all again, but apparently he said there are things which sometimes annoy us as humans, as people. The whole Negrito ban issue annoyed him. That's been playing on him. Sometimes players can't find form either. These things can weigh heavy on you. Sometimes mentally you can get dragged down. So there's a variety of reasons as to why Cavani might not be in the right headspace, and as a result, as to why he doesn't want to continue. 
it's got no relevance, people, but Thiago, I'm sure... I, I've got no doubt Thiago for Liverpool will come good in it. There's quality players. There's all, they're always going to be quality in it. And it just shows how human he is. But apparently he admits he's not been happy with his form as questions continue to be asked on his value to the collective cause at Liverpool. He said, I haven't read a word about what people talk about me. I know that I received some criticism about my performances, but I'm not happy with my performances since I came here. A new club, a strange situation. I had a strong injury, so to get back into rhythm, it was hard but it's not an excuse so again i think it will come good for him um to end this podcast people if we just go through some of the transfer news allegedly chelsea are eyeing Bayern munich france winger kingsley coleman as a replacement for pulisic apparently the 22 year old could indicate he wants to leave Stamford bridge through not playing too many minutes apparently lionel messi according to a spanish article has said he will play two more seasons in europe before joining mls side into miami people um, apparently his chances of staying at, at Barcelona apologies um, are rated at 50-50 and to be fair with you you have heard that Real Madrid Sergio Ramos had come to Madrid whose own futures in speculation like Varane's um, you've heard Cristiano Ronaldo's Apparently staying at Juventus, rumours he's going back to Madrid. Apparently PSG, who had turned him down last year, are monitoring Cristiano Ronaldo's situation at Juventus and are looking at the possibility of signing him if he decides to leave the children. Apologies, people. Apparently Donnarumma's agent is said to have begun talks with Chelsea and Manchester United about the 22-year-old's goalkeeping situation. Apparently his contract expires in the summer. I wouldn't mind Arsenal going for him flogging Leno. Apparently um, Nemanja Matic has insisted he would consider returning to Benfica if he was approached, although he is happy at Old Trafford, people. Um, Barca apparently have offered a... Con Barca and Inter Milan have apparently offered contracts to Gigi Wijnaldum. Um, we'll have to see what happens in, in that regard. Apparently Manchester United also have Tottenham and England striker Harry Kane um, Harland on their potential radar as replacements for Martial. I don't think they're replacements for Martial. I think Martial is the is the backup for them, really. But it is what it is, and with that, that ends, you know, my podcast, really. So to reiterate, I want to leave you guys with the fixtures to come in the Premier League. Leeds versus Chelsea kicks us off at twelve thirty. You then have Crystal Palace against West Bromwich Albion. People. Um, in fact, I'm going. I'm, I'm doing you guys completely dirty. Where's my manners? Today, Friday, you've got Newcastle against Aston Villa. You then have Leeds against Chelsea from 12.30. 3 p.m. on Saturday sees West Bromwich Albion travel to Crystal Palace. Everton against Burnley. Fulham against Manchester City. Um, and then the following day is the big boy stuff. You've got Southampton against Brighton from 12 p.m. 2 p.m. sees Leicester play Sheffield United. 4.30, Arsenal versus Tottenham in the North London derby. 7.15, Old Trafford, Manchester United against West Ham. David Moyes derby. Finally, to end this game week on Monday, we will close it with Wolves versus Liverpool. So that means Tuesday will be the next instalment of the Deluded podcast. Like I told you, Mondays and Fridays, Tuesdays and Fridays, if you've got the Monday fixtures, which we have with the mess of the Premier League that's been going on. So in this podcast, we've spoken about the Europa League, the Premier League covered some other talking points that it's been a bit of a slow news couple of news days so it is what it is but i appreciate you lot for tuning in and yeah people if you've liked this please make
make sure you you know you're doing what you can for the analytics make sure you're following me across all the streaming platforms i'm a youtube man born and bred so make sure you know deluded guna 04 on youtube that's where it needs to be or deluded guna 04 better yet on everything in terms of my socials deluded guna on youtube is sufficient make sure you're following on twitch deluded guna 187 clubhouse deluded guna one um deluded guna 04 as well so yeah everything's in the descriptions for you guys you know i'm never you i get told i don't plug myself enough and i've tried to make it a case of reminding you lot throughout this podcast of such so on that note people it's been a pleasure i'm gonna get out of here people deluded thank you for listening to the deluded podcast i'm out god bless stay safe it's me again